Vishnu Sahasranam, name 835, is Anagha. This name occurred earlier. Uh, his name 148. And probably in this talk we'll cover some of the topics covered in that talk, but there's no harm to glorify the Supreme Personality of Godhead even by employing the same descriptions repeatedly. Ugh means sin, to do wrong. Agho nasti yasmin so naga. Therefore, he who is without sin is called anagha, or derived in a different way, na agha, agha shabda papa vachana tadvirodhi cha anagha. This definition means that agha, the word, means sin, and one who is opposed to that can be called anagha. Aga also means dukkha, distress. So one who is devoid of distress is anagha. The prime meaning or the meaning that springs to mind most naturally, it would seem, and that's the way the word is generally translated, is that he is sinless. Now, it might seem redundant to say that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is sinless because it wouldn't make any sense to say that he's sinful when the very definition of sin is forgetfulness of him compounded with <laughs> defiance of his orders. That becomes more sinful. And it's ridiculous to think that there can be sin in him. Yet there can be a doubt because he, he comes to this world and he moves in this world as if he's one of us. And it sometimes appears that he might be sinful because he does activities which if we were to consider him a human being of this world, would be considered sinful. And there are quite a few instances. He is inducing Yudhishthira Maharaj to tell a lie which brought about the death of the guru, Dronacharya. Famously, his dancing with others' wives, Oh, yeah, that lizard. Did you hear that lizard? He also thinks that he's an atheistic lizard. He doesn't believe that Krishna is sinless. That's why you ended up as a lizard, you fool. <laughs> Lord Rama killing the Shudra who is performing austerities, or, or even more famously, Lord Rama kill, killing Vali, uh, not in open combat. So there are accusations. And I, I, while speaking on Vishnu Sahasranama, I forget which name it was. Maybe it was this name. 
um, but I gave a whole series of talks on how Krishna is beyond reproach. <clears throat> Parashrabhata, in his commentary, stresses this point, that he appears in this world, yet he's sinless. He shouldn't be judged as a person of this world, and therefore we can link that with the previous name, Amurti. He has a form, like everyone else in this world, but he's not to be considered an ordinary form. He's not an ordinary person. He's a person, but he's not an ordinary person. Parashabhata says, Sangsara madhe janitva pi anagha. Even though he takes birth in the world of repeated birth and death, but he remains sinless. <clears throat> Sri Vivi Ramanujan, in his commentary, notes that Lord Rama, even though he went through tremendous difficulty, as his Leela, he remained completely sinless. He didn't violate any laws of dharma. <clears throat> Even, of course, there's no question or possibility of him doing so, but as maryada purushottam, as the very form of dharma, <clears throat> to teach the world how to follow dharma, Lord Rama never even superficially violated dharma. Violation of dharma means sin. And I, I just gave a couple of instances, killing Bali and killing the Shudra, banishing his wife Sita. But Lord Rama himself explained to Bali why he did this and why it wasn't against the principles of religion, which Bali accepted. And the, uh, Rama himself explained why he had to banish Sita. And this is all, all these things have been elaborated upon by the commentators. Vivi Ramanuja cites Chandogya Upanishad, uh, wherein are listed the eight symptoms of a Jivan Mukta, in which one is Apahata Papa. He's freed from all sinful activity. He doesn't perform sinful activity. Another aspect of his being Anagha, is that not only is he sinless, but he removes the sins of others simply by remembering him, chanting about him. Any contact with Krishna removes sins. This reminds us of a name which comes up later, quite toward the end of Vishnu Sahasranama, Papa Nashana, the destroyer of sins. Prashabhata, getting back to his commentary, why he is sinless? Because he's not subject to karma. This is continuing Prashabhata's analysis of the previous name, Amurti. And Prashabhata, in this series of names that he's analyzing, wants to stress the vast difference between the Supreme Lord and those who he controls. 
Akarma vashatvena tanmagna jiva vilakshana anagha. He's different from those who are under the control of the laws of karma. There are various other reasons. Uh, Vivi Ramanujan gives the idea that his very existence is Shuddha Sattva. It's of transcendental elements. And therefore, bodies, material bodies, which are composed of earth, water, fire, air, ether, and the interactions of these elements within and outside of the body are all results of sin. We can say of piety also, but the basic condition of material existence is one of forgetfulness of Krishna, which is also the basic definition of sin. So he is his body. He doesn't have a body imposed on him by sinful activities. He is opposed to sin. He's, he's, he, he speaks Bhagavad Gita to stop Arjuna becoming sinful. He re- three times refers in Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna as anagha. He refers to him as sinless. Reminding Arjuna, you're deciding not to fight. You're thinking that fighting would be sinful, but you got it around the wrong way. So... Uh, it's very important that Krishna calls. Okay, that's a good tick from Tick Ticky, the lizard. It's very important that Krishna addresses Arjuna as Anagha because that is a requisite to be a pure devotee of Krishna. Yeshang Tantagatang Papam Jananam Punya Karmanam. It's one of the requisites that one should have acted piously in previous lives and in this life to be free from all the reactions of sin and to engage in devotional service beyond, without misconceptions arising from dualities of this world. Such a person can fully engage in devotional service with determination. <clears throat> so Krishna is opposed to sin. That's why he teaches Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna and via Arjuna to everyone else. It's why he comes to this world and speaks Vedic knowledge and rescues the Vedas and gives the Vedas to take people away from the path of sin. He himself is sinless of blemishless character, uh, not only is he not sinful, but he's just the opposite. Everything he does is out of his kindness, especially upon his devotees. So, whereas in this material world, which is characterized by dvesha, <clears throat> this material world is characterized, characterized by mutual envy among living beings, but Krishna simply comes to spread love, just the opposite of dvesha, envy. Even if Krishna's devotees are sinful in some ways, the very fact that they're devotees 
Krishna tends to overlook that. Krishna says that if my devotee, who's really a devotee, he really just wants to serve me, but he somehow gets entangled in some even really bad things, Krishna says still he should be considered a sadhu. And if one fully surrenders to Krishna, fully takes shelter of Krishna, then sarvadhaman parittaja mametam sharnam raja ahamta sarvapabhedil moksha ishamimashujaha. Krishna clears away the sinful reactions of those who fully take shelter in him. So Krishna is opposed to sin, and that's one facet of his exalted character, which is at the complete opposite end to sinfulness, his kindness, his mercy, that he frees others from sin. He overlooks their sin if they're really trying to surrender to him, which means to become sinless. Otherwise, he doesn't overlook sin. <laughs> For those who are sinful by nature, I'll discuss that more in, in the next name. Vedanta Deshika comments that Narayana is waiting in Vaikuntha patiently waiting for his devotees or those who have forgotten they are his devotees to seek protection from him. And if anyone does, then not considering their demerits, he says, Ahantva Sarvapa baby. I will I whatever, whatever you have done. And we've all done so many terrible things because we've had so many lifetimes to do so many terrible things. The most terrible thing is forgetting Krishna in the first place. But he's just waiting there patiently. The example is given of the two birds sitting on the tree. One is tasting the fruit of the tree, the sweet and the bitter fruits, the punya and pat, the fruits of pious activity and sinful activity. He is just waiting for the other bird to turn to him. So the Supreme Lord is like that. He wants everyone to be redeemed. And he, he makes he takes the trouble to come into this world. He's quite happy in Vaikuntha. But he comes here to try to redeem us all. So he's the opposite of sinful. So Anagha it's not merely a name of negation, but it's a very positive name also. Shankaracharya distinguishes this, uh, <clears throat> the two instances of this name by <clears throat> giving previously Anagha as one who is free from sorrow. And in this occurrence of the name, he gives the meaning as one who is free from sin. And he also quotes from Chandogya Upanishad, Apahata Papma, he's free from sin. Uh, so, uh, in this instance, 
he stresses on sin, but on, on both of the meanings. Agham dukam papam chadvayam asyana vidyata iti anaga. In the person who there's no sorrow and no sin, they're simply not present, such a person is anaga. <clears throat> Who can be anagha? Someone who doesn't do bad deeds. Sins means bad deeds. And sorrow comes from bad deeds. So, one who is free of sin and one who is free of sorrow, the two things are interconnected. <laughs> because if we do sin, then we get pain, sorrow, distress. So, anaga, one meaning of aga is sin, and one meaning is sin, papa, and the other, another meaning is dukkha or distress. But they're interlinked because if one is sinful, then he must be distressed because that is the law of nature. So, there's no sin in the Supreme Lord, even to start with. There's no question. So, where's the question of sorrow for him? This is a a logical understanding. <coughs> Sh uh, Sri Radha Krishna Shastri has brought out this point. And he quotes from Ishopanishad, Shuddham Apapavidham. He's ever pure, untouched by both piety and sin. Srila Prabhupada commenting on this term says that Krishna is like a prophylactic. If we are connected with Krishna, then we can't get entangled in material existence. Uh, then he quotes again, Apahatapatma. But this time he quotes, uh, well, he quotes it both from Chandogya Upanishad and from Brihadaranyaka Upanishad also, the term also appears there. Uh, in Chandogya it appears, and uh, an extra, twice it appears in Chandogya. Oh, wait a minute, three times, three times. Baladi Vidyabhushan. In his commentary on this name, remember this Vishnu, this Vishnu Sasranam is spoken by Bhishma, Pitamaha. So Baladev Vidyabhushan refers us to Bhishma's words in the introductory portion of Vishnu Sasranam. There are several verses whereby Bhishma introduces before he starts speaking. Vishnu Sahasranam, he does what can be considered a short Mahatmya or glorification of the value of this Vishnu Sahasranam. So, in those words, uh, Bhishma says, Pavitranam Pavitramyaha. He who is the purifier of the purifiers, or who is the most pure, the supreme purifier. So that is Anagha. In Bhagavatam, we find the demigods addressing Vishnu as Anagha. This is at Canto 6, chapter 9, text 41. 
Krishna, Canto 10, Chapter 15, Text 6, addresses Balaram as Anagha. In the purport, Srila Prabhupada states, the word Anagha indicates that the... Sorry, this is not Srila Prabhupada. This is the disciples of Srila Prabhupada uh, describing the meaning of the verses following previous acharyas. So, the purport of this verse, the word anaga indicates that the Supreme Lord never performs sinful or offensive activities. The word also indicates that the Lord immediately excuses a sin or offense committed by a sincere loving devotee who may accidentally deviate from the Lord's service. In the specific context of this verse, the word anaga indicates that Lord Balaram was not disturbed by the bees who are constantly following him. <coughs> Means he's without dukkha. Muchukunda, Muchukunda also addresses Krishna as Anagha. This is in Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 51, Text 46. <coughs> King Nimi addressing the Navayogendras. We'll find at Canto 11, Chapter 2, Text 30. Nimi addresses the Navayogendras, the nine kings of yoga, if you want to translate it literally. He addresses them collectively as Anagha. And in the purport, we find that Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur states that the word Anagha, that's plural of Anagha, O sinless ones, that's the basic meaning, uh, has two meanings. Anagha indicates that the nine Yogendras were themselves completely free of sins. It's worth stating if we find anyone in this world who's free of sins because it's uncommon. It, Vishwanathra Chakravartaka also says, it, the, the word Anagha also indicates that merely by the great fortune of seeing them and hearing from them submissively, an ordinary sinful man could also be freed of his sins and achieve everything he desired. Jarad to Krishna, Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 30, Text 36. Jarad the hunter, who, at least superficially, shot Krishna in the foot, refers to Krishna, or addresses him as Anagha. Now this is very significant because one takes the body of a hunter, it's a very low position in among the human species. One t takes such a birth due to severe sinful activities in previous lives. So he's distinguishing Krishna from himself. And also some rascals say that Krishna was shot in the foot like that because previously as Ram he had shot Bali, but the word Anagha, Jara, uh, is inspired by Saraswati to say this to indicate that Krishna is sinless and it's sinful to impute sin to him. Uh, as I'd mentioned, Krishna calls in Bhagavad Gita Arjuna Anagha, uh, so it can refer not only to the Supreme Lord, is one of those names that can refer to the Supreme Lord and to exalted devotees or exalted persons even within this material world. So 
Arjuna is an example. Uh, which goes to show if, if Arjuna, another consideration is that if Arjuna is sinless, and what to speak of the person he is accepted as his guru, his guru must be fully sinless. In Bhagavatam, we find that uh, different devotees address each other and by various names and descriptions. So in this way, Sudha Goswami is referred to as Anagha, as his Parikshit Maharaj, as his Vidura, as his Brahma, as his Uddhava, and in the female form, Anagha, Yashoda is referred to as Anagha, and also Rukmini, when she is addressed by Krishna. And that's a little exposition on the name Anagha in Vishnu Sahasranam. Let us always remember the names, forms, qualities, and pastimes of the sinless personality of Godhead and ourselves become sinless so as to serve him all the better. Dante nithaya chunakam pradeya nipatya kritva chaka kushatame tadaham ravimi He sadava sakala eva vihaya durad gauranga chandra charane guru tanuragaha Parivadatu jano yatatatava nanumukaro nabayang vicharayamaha Hare-rasa-madhi-rama-dati-matta-bhuvi-vilu-thama-nartama-nir-vishama Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama.